Amen. I love that song. It's always good to hear everyone singing that uh, and, and together. And if, uh, if you have your Bibles tonight, go and turn to John chapter 6. And I'm going to be fairly brief tonight, and we'll get back and do some, some packing of some boxes here. And I want to beat the dead horse of making sure that you guys come to Revival this, this coming weekend. Um, there, is, there is nothing that I am more excited about right now than, than the Revival coming up. Uh, we've had the chance as, as a youth group to hear Dr. John Getch uh, speak at Camp Kobiak a few years ago. We had Dr. John Getch come for Camp Chautauqua uh, a couple years ago. And every time that we hear him preach has always been an encouragement. And I hope you guys have cleared your schedule uh, to be here on Friday night, on, on Saturday night, on uh, all the services on Sunday. And if you have plans, cancel them. I'm, I'm only partly joking and mostly very serious. And uh, man, seriously, clear your schedule, be here for the preaching. And it is, it is when, we, when we do Camp Chautauqua, the reason why it's so effective for teens from a spiritual standpoint is that you have a, a weekend that is just focused on the preaching of God's word. And so this, this coming weekend is almost gonna be like a Camp Chautauqua just without the activities. And it's going to be a spiritual shot in the arm. We're going to hear about five to six different messages. And it is, it, is, it is nothing but good for your spiritual life. Just sit there underneath the preaching of God's word, soaking it in, letting God speak to your heart. Because I don't know about you, uh, life gets really busy. Life gets really hectic. And it is very easy for your spiritual life to get sidetracked. And so all of us need just periods of time where we just realign our lives and let God just speak to us to get ourselves back in tune with the Lord. So I, I strongly urge you guys to take this weekend seriously. Be here. Be committed to it. Invite friends. Invite family. Saved, lost, all of them. Bring them here so they can hear uh, the preaching of God's word. Uh, be praying for it. And I, I, one of my, my big prayers in my life is that God speak to me. Um, just because uh, our pastoral staff is on staff does not automatically mean that we are default spiritual heroes. Uh, we need to have God speak to us just as much as we need, you need God to speak to you. And so I'm praying that God will work in my heart, change me, help me to be more in tune with him. And so I hope that's your heartbeat too. Be on prayer uh, for, for that. Be on board with it. Come and be a part of it. So uh, super excited about that. So that was all free. Let's get to the, to the, to the message for tonight. So um, after the service tonight, we're going to be packing shoe boxes. We'll be back over there and uh, putting toys and all types of small trinkets into boxes. And then we're going to be putting gospel tracks in there. And then we're going to be sending them overseas to uh, children that are underprivileged, that do not have the type of stuff that we have in America. And the question I want to ask is, does the small items we put into these small boxes really make that big of a difference. And tonight, the message is, the title is, is Take What You Have and Give It to God. In John chapter 6, we're going to read uh, verse 1 through 14. We're just going to read a little bit of a verse or two at a time, pause, make a comment, and then towards the end of the passage, I really want to just kind of stress Stress a point, and then we'll, we'll go back and start uh, packing some shoe boxes. So uh, John chapter, chapter 6, verse number 1. It says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. 
And a great multitude followed him because he saw his miracles, which he did on them that were diseased. We'll pause here for a second and we'll, we'll give some commentary. So it's interesting to note that the only reason why these large multitudes of people followed Jesus is because they wanted to see the miracles and see what they could get from Jesus. Um, <laughs> these kind of people in our modern day would be called mooches. Uh, that's kind of the technical term for those people. And, and so they were, they were just following Jesus for what they could get from him. Um, why do you follow Jesus? Why do you come to church? Uh, do you come to church and do you follow Jesus to see what you can get from him? Are you a consumer-type mentality? That's what these kind of people were. Let's look at verse number three. It says, And Jesus went up into the mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. I think it is interesting to see uh, who Jesus gravitated towards. In this time when there's a whole multitude of people, Jesus says here that he sat with his disciples. When all the people he could have chosen to be with, Jesus chose to sit and be with his disciples. Um, a disciple by definition is someone who's disciplined in following Jesus and his teachings and obeying it in his, in his way. And James 4.8 says, draw nigh unto God, and he will draw nigh unto you. And so in our own lives, if we want Jesus to be close in our life, we need to cling closely to him, draw close to him, and he will draw close to you. Verse number four, it says, in the Passover, uh, a feast of the Jews was nigh. And then verse number five, it says, uh, and he saith unto Philip, whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Um, so as he's, as he's looking at these people, um, you know what, I, I, uh, I'm sorry, I, I missed a passage there. Uh, I'm sorry, let me, let, me, let me try that again. Let's start at verse 4, and we'll do it in verse 5. It says, In the Passover of the feast of the Jews was nigh, verse 5, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw a great, a, a great company come unto him, and he said, Philip, when shall we, we buy bread that these may eat? So Jesus is coming here. It's the time of Passover, and it says that he saw... Uh, saw this multitude of people, a great company come on to him. Uh, if you were to look at the parallel passage in, in Matthew, Matthew 14 talks about how he saw a great multitude and it says he was moved with compassion toward them. Um, when you see people, what do you see? When you go to uh, uh, some sort of sporting event or if you are in a public place and you see a multitude of people, what do you see? Do you see people that disgust you? Or do you see people that move you with compassion, that you love them, that you see them? And so when Jesus saw this multitude, although they were just trying to get what they could get from him, Jesus saw these people and he was moved with compassion. He cared for them. He loved these people. Then in, in uh, the end of verse 5, he says to Philip, he says, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And then he says in verse 6, he says, And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Uh, it's interesting. If you kind of uh, put yourself in, 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 in the shoes of the disciples and, and everything, there's, there's thousands of people. Thousands of people are in the middle of this grass field, and Jesus tells, um, tells Philip, he says, you know, uh, when are, where are we going to buy bread to get, get, get food for all these people? Now, by the way, they did not have McDonald's uh, in, that, in those days. They didn't have fast food in those days. Uh, to just get a quick meal. They didn't have Kroger. They didn't have any of that that was there. And he asked this question to Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? 
in Philip's mind, he probably is like, there's, there's like, there's no way. There's no way we can do this. And, and it says in verse 6 that Jesus asked this question, knowing what the outcome was going to be, but he asked this question to test Philip, to test his disciples, to see what kind of faith that they had, to see what, what they would do and how they would try to solve this, this scenario. And it was almost like it was a setup question. Um, there's going to be times in, in your life that God is going to put you in situations of vulnerability, and God's going to be asking you some questions in your heart and in your life that you're going to be, asked, you're going to be saying, God, I have no idea. God, I have no idea how I'm going to get through this, how this is going to work out, and what the solution is going to be. But he asks you this question and puts you in these certain circumstances because he's going to try and test you and see what your faith is going to be like. So we ask this question, and we see what uh, Philip's response is in verse number 7. Philip uh, answered him and said, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. So humanly speaking, from a logical and practical way, there was no solution that Philip could think of for this problem. It's like, Jesus, there's no way. There's not enough money that we have. There's not enough time that we have. There's not enough resources available to us to be able to feed this many people. So Philip is pretty much saying, hey, uh, it's impossible. We can't do it. Verse 8, it says, One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? So there's a young lad, there's a kid. He had a small, insignificant lunch. He has five loaves and two fishes. Andrew brings him to the scene and says, Hey, we don't, we don't have anything, but hey, there's this kid He's got a small, small little bit of lunch here. This is all we got. And I don't know if it was just like a facetious way for, for Andrew to say, uh, you're trying to feed 5,000, and uh, look, this is all we got. This is it. Verse number 10. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. Verse 11, it says, and Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that, that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. Verse uh, number 11 says that Jesus took the loaves. It is amazing what God can do when we give God what we have. He took five loaves and fed 5,000. God can do much with the little that we, we possess. Now, the next, the next phrase that's in here is actually really what I've kind of been building up to. This is the point that I really want to focus on next. It says there in verse 11, it says that Jesus took the loaves, and when he gave thanks, it says here he distributed to the disciples. The feeding of the 5,000 people, Jesus did not directly give those loaves and fishes to the masses, to the people. Jesus gave to the disciples, and then the disciples then gave to all the people. Now, this is really what I want to stress on tonight, because uh, Jesus performed the miracle, but Jesus did not give the food directly to the people. So Jesus gave the disciples, the disciples gave to the people. Jesus was responsible for the miracle, 
but the disciples were responsible for getting the miracle to the people. As a believer, we have been given the miracle of salvation. And we are not to keep the gospel to ourselves, but God has given us the responsibility to be sharing the gospel, the miracle of the gospel, to those that are around us. As a Christian, we are to, to be living a holy life and, and loving those around us and having a fulfilled life in Christ. And so we are not supposed to just keep this life of the Christian life to ourselves, but to be sharing our lives of a much better way of living life to those around us. As Americans, uh, God has blessed us immensely financially as you look at us as compared to other, other countries of the world. And so we are not to hoard everything to ourselves, but to be generous to others. God has blessed us so that we can be a blessing to others. Then in verse uh, number 12, it says, And when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. I think it's so interesting that God, who is his, his pretty much his resources are unlimited, that he's, he told the disciples, Hey, Make sure there's no leftovers that are wasted. God is very efficient with what he has, and he didn't want anything to go to the waste. And so they gathered all the fragments together. They brought them all together. And, and, and then we get to verse number 13. It says, Therefore they gathered them together and filled the twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, that, which remained over and above unto, unto them that had eaten. So there were twelve baskets left over, 12 disciples, most likely those 12 disciples each got a basket. Now, uh, every person got one meal. I would imagine with a basket of food, it was probably a, uh, enough food for more than one meal. So you might be thinking like, okay, these disciples, they are responsible for being the conduit or the ones that are giving out all the blessings, giving out all the food. Hey, they're going to be cut short. They're not going to get anything out of this. Well, all these people all just got one meal, but at the end of it, the disciples that were doing all the giving, all the serving, they're the ones that ended up with more as an individual as every other individual did because they had a whole basket left over. So in verse 14, uh, actually, let me put this, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, it says, But this I say, he which sowing sparingly shall also reap sparingly, and he that which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Um, if you are stingy uh, in your giving, you will, you will receive back very little. Uh, if you are someone who is a generous giver, then you will be the type of person that you will receive back much in what God has given to you. And an example of that, and I, I don't want to go down this path that, um, where, where some people say, like, where this prosperity gospel is. Like, if you, if you donate to the Lord and you give all these things and God's going to bless you over and above and, and all these magical ways. I'm not, I'm not talking about that type of stuff. The, the, the concept is, is, is much like this. There's a principle like in, in Proverbs where, where it talks about uh, he that hath friends must show himself friendly. Um, if you want to have friends, you have got to be a friendly person. So as you go around and as you, as you interact with people, the more, the more conversational that you are to people, the more kind you are to people, the more giving that you are to the people, you give them a, a note of encouragement, you send them a text of encouragement, uh, you're, you're going out of your way to say, say hi to people. Uh, you're not thinking about yourself all the time, but you're 
talking about other people and interested in their lives, and you're that kind of person that is investing into relationships of other people, you're going to be a person that has a lot of friends. On the flip side of that, if you're a person that whenever there's people around, you don't talk to anybody, you're not going to have any friends. It just doesn't work that way. If, if you're mean to people, you're rude to people, you, you have no social skills, you're not kind, you're that type of person, you're not going to have a lot of friends. And that's exactly what this concept, concept is. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. So this, this whole concept of, of giving of yourself, uh, you will reap what you sow. And so these, these disciples, as they were giving to all these people, they actually reaped more in the end than what the actual people that received that were not, were not serving. So um, when you serve the Lord, God will take care of his own. Uh, God takes care of those that are, are faithful to him. Then in verse 14, uh, it says, And those men, this is the last verse that we'll read. This is, And those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. So as these people were recipients of the miracle, it said, said there that uh, this is of a truth that the prophet should come to the world. They believed in Jesus. They received what the disciples were doing. They were recipients of the miracle. They believed in Jesus. Now here is really, this has all been built up to, to this point. The multitudes believed because the disciples were willing to give to the people what God gave to them. The multitudes believed because the disciples were willing to give to the people what God gave to them. If they would not have been willing to give, the miracle would never have been able to get to the people to feed the thousands. So we're going to have an opportunity here in just a moment to, to actually put this into place and put it into action as we are, are, are going to be giving what God has given to us uh, financially and, and with the, 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 the things of, of materialism type stuff that we have and putting a gospel track and giving that to be able to give to people. Um, but really, that... That's not our mission field. Really, our mission field is not overseas in, in third world countries, although if God has blessed us, we ought to make those, those opportunities to, to make the most of it. Um, our mission field is here in Cincinnati, in, in Friendship Baptist Church, is in the Colerain area, in the surrounding greater Cincinnati area, especially the, the west side of Cincinnati. This is where God has placed us. This is our mission field. So what we ought to be thinking about, and this is what I, I, I want to kind of keep this message unresolved and kind of open-ended, because I want to get you kind of thinking beyond, beyond church tonight. What I want you to be thinking about is what has God given you? What has God blessed you with? What kind of interests do you have? What kind of hobbies do you have? What kind of skill sets do you have? Think about all the things, big picture, many different avenues of what you have, strengths that you have, things that God has given to you, 
And how can you use what God has given to you as a means of leveraging an opening and an avenue for you to reach somebody with the gospel? And I want you to keep this in your mind beyond tonight. Maybe even go home tonight or maybe go into tomorrow and be thinking about, okay, how has God blessed me? What has God given to me that I could be using to be giving to other people and a means to, to create a platform and an avenue to get people to Christ and to share Jesus Christ with these people? God has blessed us in a great way. God has blessed us in many, many other, other ways outside of just finances. What would it be like if all of us collectively as a, as a church and as a group, if we were to use all the resources we had just as if this, this young lad had just a lunch of five loaves and two fishes, stuff that was insignificant. If you give what you have to the Lord, what could God do with it? and do through you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. Thank you so much for what you have blessed us, wa- blessed us with. Thank you so much for um, the opportunity to be able to serve you. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd help us not to uh, be selfish and keep what you've given to us just to ourselves. but Lord, help us to always be looking for opportunities and ways to take what you've given to us and find ways to use it to share the gospel with those around us. Lord, help us to be spiritually minded. Lord, help us to be sensitive to those around us. And just as Jesus saw the multitudes and was moved with compassion, Lord, help us to see people and help us to have compassion on their souls as well. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you so much for how you've had compassion on us. Thank you so much for being an amazing God that can do amazing things with the little things that we have. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We pray that you bless the next hour to come as we uh, pack uh, uh, boxes for you. For it's in Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.